Chapter Twelfth of *The Heart of Midlothian* by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Ascend while radiant summer opens all its pride. Thy hill, delightful shane. Here let us sweep the boundless landscape. Thompson from her kind and officious but somewhat gossiping friend mrs glass jeanie underwent a very close catechism on their road to the strand where the thistle of the good lady flourished in full glory and with its legend of nemo me impune distinguished a shop then well known to all scottish folk of high and low degree and were you sure i to say your grace to him said the good old lady for one should make a distinction between mac Cullimore and the bits of southern bodies that they call lords here there are as many of them jeanie as would gar one think they maun cost but little fash in the making some of them i wouldna trust with six pennies worth of black rappy some of them i wouldna give myself the trouble to put up a hapney worth in brown paper for but i hope you showed your breeding to the duke of argyle for what sort of folk would he think your friends in london if you had been lording him and him a duke he didna seem muckle to mind said jeanie he kenned that i was landward bred well well answered the good lady his grace kens me well so i am the less anxious about it i never fill his snug box but he says how do you do good mrs glass how are all your friends in the north or it may be have ye heard from the north lately and you may be sure i make my best courtesy and answer my lord duke i hope your grace's noble duchess and your grace's young ladies are well and i hope the snuff continues to give your grace satisfaction and then ye will see the people in the shop begin to look about them and if there's a scotsman as there may be three or half a dozen off go the hats and many a look after him and there goes the prince of scotland god bless him but ye have not told me yet the very words he said to ye jeanie had no intention to be quite so communicative she had as the reader may have observed some of the caution and shrewdness as well as of the simplicity of her country she answered generally that the duke had received her very compassionately and had promised to interest himself in her sister's affair and to let her hear from him in the course of the next day or the day after she did not choose to make any mention of his having desired her to be in readiness to attend him far less of his hint that she should not bring her landlady so that honest mrs glass was obliged to remain satisfied with the general intelligence above mentioned after having done all she could to extract more 
it may easily be conceived that on the next day jeanie declined all invitations and inducements whether of exercise or curiosity to walk abroad and continued to inhale the close and somewhat professional atmosphere of mrs glass's small parlour the latter flavour it owed to a certain cupboard containing among other articles a few canisters of real havana which whether from respect to the manufacture or out of a reverend fear of the exciseman mrs glass did not care to trust in the open shop below and which communicated to the room a scent that however fragrant to the nostrils of the connoisseur was not very agreeable to those of genie dear sirs she said to herself i wonder how my cousin's silk mantie and her gowd watch or anything in the world can be worth sitting sneezing all her life in this little stilling room and might walk on green brass if she liked mrs glass was equally surprised at her cousin's reluctance to stir abroad and her indifference to the fine sights of london it would always help to pass away the time she said to have something to look at though one was in distress but jeanie was unpersuadable the day after her interview with the duke was spent in that hope delayed which maketh the heart sick minutes glided after minutes hours fled after hours it became too late to have any reasonable expectation of hearing from the duke that day yet the hope which she disowned she could not altogether relinquish and her heart throbbed and her ears tingled with every casual sound in the shop below it was in vain the day wore away in the anxiety of protracted and fruitless expectation the next morning commenced in the same manner but before noon a well-dressed gentleman entered mrs glass's shop and requested to see a young woman from scotland that will be my cousin jeanie deans mr archibald said mrs glass with a courtesy of recognizance have you any message for her from his grace the duke of argyle mr archibald i will carry it to her in a moment i believe i must give her the trouble of stepping down mrs glass jeanie jeanie deans said mrs glass screaming at the bottom of the little staircase which ascended from the corner of the shop to the higher regions jeanie jeanie deans i say come downstairs instantly here is the duke of argyle's groom of the chambers desires to see you directly this was announced in a voice so loud as to make all who chanced to be within hearing aware of the important communication it may easily be supposed that jeanie did not tarry long in adjusting herself to attend the summons yet her feet almost failed her as she came downstairs i must ask the favour of your company a little way said archibald with civility i am quite ready sir said jeanie is my cousin going out mr archibald then i will have to go with her no doubt james rasper look to the shop james mr archibald pushing ajar towards him 
you take his grace's mixture i think please to fill your box for old acquaintance sake while i get on my things mr archibald transferred a modest parcel of snuff from the jar to his own mull but said he was obliged to decline the pleasure of mrs glass's company as his message was particularly to the young person particularly to the young person said mrs glass is not that uncommon mr archibald but his grace is the best judge and you are a steady person mr archibald it is not every one that comes from a great man's house i would trust my cousin with but jeanie you must not go through the streets with mr archibald with your tartan what do you call it there upon your shoulders as if you had come up with a drove of highland cattle wait till i bring down my silk cloak why we'll have the mob after you i have a hackney coach in waiting madam said mr archibald interrupting the officious old lady from whom jeanie might otherwise have found it difficult to escape and i believe i must not allow her time for any change of dress so saying he hurried jeanie into the coach while she internally praised and wondered at the easy manner in which he shifted off mrs glass's officious offers and inquiries without mentioning his master's orders or entering into any explanation on entering the coach mr archibald seated himself in the front seat opposite to our heroine and they drove on in silence after they had driven nearly half an hour without a word on either side it occurred to jeanie that the distance and time did not correspond with that which had been occupied by her journey on the former occasion to and from the residence of the duke of argyle at length she could not help asking her taciturn companion whilk way they were going my lord duke will inform you himself madam answered archibald with the same solemn courtesy which marked his whole demeanour almost as he spoke the hackney coach drew up and the coachman dismounted and opened the door archibald got out and assisted jeanie to get down she found herself in a large turnpike road without the bounds of london upon the other side of which road was drawn up a plain chariot and four horses the panels without arms and the servants without liveries you have been punctual i see jeanie said the duke of argyle as archibald opened the carriage door you must be my companion for the rest of the way archibald will remain here with the hackney coach till your return ere jeanie could make answer she found herself to her no small astonishment seated by the side of a duke in a carriage which rolled forward at a rapid yet smooth rate very different in both particulars from the lumbering jolting vehicle which she had just left and which lumbering and jolting as it was conveyed to one who had seldom been in a coach before a certain feeling of dignity and importance young woman said the duke after thinking as attentively on your sister's case as is in my power i continue to be impressed 
with the belief that great injustice may be done by the execution of her sentence so are one or two liberal and intelligent lawyers of both countries whom i have spoken with nay pray hear me out before you thank me i have already told you my personal conviction is of little consequence unless i could impress the same upon others now i have done for you what i would certainly not have done to serve any purpose of my own i have asked an audience of a lady whose interest with the king is deservedly very high it has been allowed me and i am desirous that you should see her and speak for yourself you have no occasion to be abashed tell your story simply as you did to me i am much obliged to your grace said jeanie remembering mrs glass's charge and i am sure since i have had the courage to speak to your grace in poor effie's cause i have less reason to be shamefaced in speaking to a lady but sir i would like to ken what to call her whether your grace or your honour or your ladyship as we say to lairds and leddies in scotland and i will take care to mind it for i ken leddies are full more particular than gentlemen about their titles of honour you have no occasion to call her anything but madam just say what you think is likely to make the best impression look at me from time to time and if i put my hand to my cravat so showing her the motion you will stop but i shall only do this when you say anything that is not likely to please but sir your grace said jeanie if it wasna over muckle trouble would it be no better to tell me what i should say and i could get it by heart no jeanie that would not have the same effect that would be like reading a sermon you know which we good presbyterians think has less unction than when spoken without book replied the duke just speak as plainly and boldly to this lady as you did to me the day before yesterday and if you can gain her consent i'll wadge a plaque as we say in the north that you will get the pardon from the king as he spoke he took a pamphlet from his pocket and began to read jeanie had good sense and tact which constitute betwixt them that which is called natural good breeding she interpreted the duke's manoeuvre as a hint that she was to ask no more questions and she remained silent accordingly the carriage rolled rapidly onwards through fertile meadows ornamented with splendid old oaks and catching occasionally a glance of the majestic mirror of a broad and placid river after passing through a pleasant village the equipage stopped on a commanding eminence where the beauty of english landscape was displayed in its utmost luxuriance here the duke alighted and desired jeanie to follow him they paused for a moment on the brow of a hill to gaze on the unrivalled landscape which it presented a huge sea of verdure with crossing and intersecting promontories of massive and tufted groves was tenanted by numberless flocks and herds which seemed to wander unrestrained and unbounded 
through the rich pastures the thames here turreted with villas and there garlanded with forests moved on slowly and placidly like the mighty monarch of the scene to whom all its other beauties were but accessories and bore on its bosom an hundred barks and skiffs whose white sails and gaily fluttering pennons gave life to the whole the duke of argyle was of course familiar with this scene but to a man of taste it must be always new yet as he paused and looked on this inimitable landscape with the feeling of delight which it must give to the bosom of every admirer of nature his thoughts naturally reverted to his own more grand and scarce less beautiful domains of inverary this is a fine scene he said to his companion curious perhaps to draw out her sentiments we have nothing like it in scotland it's bra rich feeding for the cows and they have a fine breed of cattle here replied jeanie but i like just as well to look at the craigs of arthur's seat and the sea coming in anent them as at all that muckle trees the duke smiled at a reply equally professional and national and made a signal for the carriage to remain where it was then adopting an unfrequented footpath he conducted jeanie through several complicated mazes to a postern door in a high brick wall it was shut but as the duke tapped slightly at it a person in waiting within after reconnoitring through a small iron grate contrived for the purpose unlocked the door and admitted them they entered and it was immediately closed and fastened behind them this was all done quickly the door so instantly closing and the person who opened it so suddenly disappearing that jeanie could not even catch a glimpse of his exterior they found themselves at the extremity of a deep and narrow alley carpeted with the most verdant and close-shaven turf which felt like velvet under their feet and screened from the sun by the branches of the lofty elms which united over the path and caused it to resemble in the solemn obscurity of the light which they admitted as well as from the range of columnar stems and intricate union of their arched branches one of the narrow side aisles in an ancient gothic cathedral End of chapter twelfth